This is an email that I received recently that is, uh, it's really different. It's not really a story. And I get a few of these now and then. People send their opinions to me on Bigfoot. And they're not really stories, so I don't usually include them in a podcast because that's what we do. We tell stories. But this is so out there, and I'm not making any judgments on it, but it is so out there that I thought you might think that this is a pretty cool little read here. So let's get into it. Are you holding on to your weaves? You got your dentures glued in? Got your socks pulled up? Tighten up your belt? Because here we go. Get ready for a ride. Sasquatch are humans. They are as human as anyone else with the exception of appearance. The Almas people are their true name and Sumerian is their language. For almost 13,000 years up until April 14th of 2016, they were an enslaved people for the purpose of hard labor. And in the distant past, the world knew these people as the Nephilim. The stories about the Nephilim, as written in biblical scripture, are very incorrect. I call the Bible the book of lies, and everyone will learn this in time. Their past enslavement can be compared to Nazi ghettos of World War II, but primarily in underground bases and tunnel systems. This enslavement was absolute and inescapable, and these bases are primarily in national parks, forests, preserves, mountainous regions, and other isolated areas globally. Since April of 2016, they have been cared for by a consortium of people in isolated areas globally and away from the public eye. Slightly more than 9 million exist in the world. 9 million human Bigfoots, I guess is what this person is talking about. The largest concentration is in Cascadia and Alaska. They are very beautiful people with families and strong community values. This is an important fact about their biology everyone will come to learn. Many people are aware that they have this capability as they have witnessed it. Sasquatch have introduced genetic characteristics given to them by their enslavers. They have the ability to change their biological frequency that is overlapping to human senses, and this renders them invisible to human senses with the exception of their smell. There's always been more to this world than people can see. Everything is energy. It will not be too difficult to understand when it will be properly explained. It is scheduled for the introduction with the rest of humanity a date I cannot disclose at this time. For the last eight years, we have been tasked with caring for a group of 254,000 of these creatures in Alaska. And I'm always in their company and with their loving interaction, always in the company of children as I work. Now, something important to note, before 2016, the Sasquatch people were policed by Sasquatch collaborators under Zeta control. They were about 12,000 doing this globally, and they were brutal and did occasionally harm people. All were captured and removed by 2018. The Great Awakening the world is going through is much bigger than humanity can begin to imagine. 
On April 14th of 2016, a global war began to remove permanently from this earth those responsible for the Almas enslavement and the control they have been actively carrying out in regards to the whole of humanity. To date, more than 5.5 million Zetas genetically associated with them and humans, the Zetas directly controlled, have been permanently removed. I cannot see the Zetas because of an overlapping frequency to human senses. They could interact with humans when cloaked and were able to spiritually connect and take over control of a person's thoughts and behavior. They have been here doing this, controlling humanity, for 12,977 years. On April 14, 2016, that ability was stripped away from them globally. And this war began by systematically removing them. And in this year of 2024, the war will have been completed. It has been called the hidden war against the invisible enemy. And the term used frequently, these people are sick, is code for the Zeta civilization, who are also known as Sumerian gods. And when they are cloaked, they can travel at incredible speeds and pass through all of this earth's elements without impotence. They are a genetically created extraterrestrial civilization that originated from a system in the Orion Nebula. This is the ninth world in their path of destruction. They're extremely intelligent and a predatory civilization. This will be difficult to understand and accept. Satan is a royal name and God is a species name. Sumerian is their language. Satan was captured and executed on July 12th of 2020. He was located in a base at Mount Hayes, Alaska. He was 41,252 years old at the time of his physical and spiritual death. The greatest reveal of this great awakening will be who is God or who was God. It is not a few everyone thinks is brainwashed. It is the entirety of humanity without exception. Until full disclosure, religious values will remain in place and encouraged, or what is taking place will be difficult for the world to accept. Humanity is not alone, and what the Zetas have been doing ends here, finally. You were their food, their ability to experience sexual pleasure, the harvesting of adrenaline as a drug, genetic research and parasites for the ability to experience life that they cannot create for themselves. The complexity of this cannot be explained at this time, so I give you this brief description. Humanity's future will be beautiful, but just a little more pain that is unavoidable. And then the last sentence says, Book of Never-Ending Pages. Now, the first thing I will say is, the person who wrote this is a good writer, Unless they copied it and pasted it from something on the internet, they're a pretty good writer. As far as the theories and the things that they say, and there are many, many statements in this email that I just read to you, I don't agree with a single one. But it, that doesn't matter whether I agree or whether you agree. The point is, that's this person's opinion 
Uh, they say they actually live it. They say that they are actually in control of some of these. Is it the Almas people or the Sasquatch people? I don't know. They're in charge of, uh, I'm trying to look for it. For the last eight years, we have been tasked with caring for a group of 254,000 of them in Alaska. So this person is in Alaska. Anyway, it's just it's just one of those odd emails that I get that I never, never pass on to you guys. And I thought I would. I thought maybe it would give you some prompts to think, if not about their email, about the way people think around the world. There are some really different theories on all of this stuff going on in the world. And now you know this person's theory on what is going on in the world. The Bible is not a book of lies. It is a self-proving book over and over and over. It has 264,000 cross-references back and forth that no writer over the span of time that the Bible was recorded could ever correlate back and forth. It's just the perfect book. It's, it's an amazing book. So that's the main thing I don't agree about. Anyway... I don't want to just keep talking about it, but I thought this was so interesting when I got it. And I debated on whether to put it up, but there you have it. I thought I'd do it. Hope you enjoyed it. Here is a Bigfoot story and a, UF, uh, and a UFO story. I'm not sure if these link together, but I'm kind of giddy. I like Bigfoot and UFO stories. Here's what the writer says. Like most of your listeners, I love the outdoors. I grew up hunting, fishing, camping, and taking full advantage of the natural environment around me in Northern California. As an adult, I've carried that love with me to Minnesota, where I live now. The boundary waters here are very wild and can only be accessed by canoe. My friends and I usually go for a week and portage through from lake to lake until we pick a remote spot to set up a camp. A few years ago, on one such trip, we set up a camp on a small island. There are a limited number of designated campsites there that make it perfect for those of us who like to really get away from it all. At twilight, we cooked a few fish that we had caught along the way and then sat and talked at the end of the island 120 feet from the shoreline. The first thing we heard was tree knocking. My friend laughed and said that some campers were trying to fool us. But ten minutes later, someone or something threw a very large rock that landed ten feet from us. Well, my buddy ignored it and kept talking, and we both thought it was some kind of a joke. Later, I checked the red dots on the map for designated campsites, and there were no others in that bay. It's a minor story, I know, but I found it interesting, and I thought I would share it with you before I tell you about the event that changed my life when I still lived in Northern California. In 1972, three friends and I, all in our 20s, were at the top of a remote mountain during deer season. We had set up camp for the night and cooked and ate our meal and were sitting around a large campfire that we had built. We were making plans for the hunt the following morning. At that elevation, the entire sky looked like it was full of stars. It was a clear night with no wind. It was so silent that, as they say, you could hear a pin drop. My three friends were sitting on a log across from me, and I was staring across the fire at the horizon behind them. At first, 
I thought I was looking at a plane flying at us from that direction. But the closer it got, the more I knew it was no airplane. It wasn't making a sound. There were no engines roaring. There was no wind drag. There was nothing. I guessed it to be coming in somewhere between 100 and 150 feet off the ground. And the closer it got, the more I was convinced that it was not only not a plane, but it also wasn't anything I had ever seen before. My friends saw me transfixed on the sky behind them, so they all turned around to see what I was looking at. They were as dumbfounded as I was. Well, we all sat there looking at this object coming at us, and none of us knew what it was. It was only moving a few miles per hour and coming in so low that I thought I could almost reach out and touch it. It reminded me of a submarine. It was 250 feet to 300 feet long with a con tower in the stern and windows that I couldn't see through. It was a metallic gray color covered in pock marks. Even when it got close enough that I felt like I could reach out to it, it never made a sound. We were all so shocked that none of us spoke a word. And oddly, we didn't feel afraid, but we definitely weren't speaking either. And then things got really weird. It turned slightly to show us its broadside and began emitting a series of geometrical shapes from below it. One shape would appear at a time in silent explosions. The first was a solid green rectangle that became increasingly transparent as the ship moved on until it finally broke into shock waves. And then there was a square followed by a circle, and they were all green and a massive 30 feet across. Each one appeared solid at first, and then like the triangle, they would become transparent until they dissolved into shock waves and were replaced by another shape. There were a half a dozen shapes in all. Finally, the ship continued slowly on its way until eventually it was out of sight. I've had 50 years to think about that night. I believe the large fire on the top of the mountain was what drew them in. And once they saw us, they tried to communicate with the universal language of mathematics. They were saying hello. I don't know what they were doing there. I've come to believe that maybe they were mining something in those mountains, but I'll never know for sure. But what I do know is that the thought I had as I was watching it disappear from sight is the same thought I have today. We are not alone. Oh, what a good story. What a good couple of stories. Uh, the first one is kind of anecdotal stuff about Bigfoot, but they actually saw the UFO, which was put on a spectacular display, and it looked like they came in peace. I have a feeling this man is right. We're not alone. I don't know what we're dealing with uh, that could be extraterrestrial. I know a lot of people will say, well, that's a man-made object. Maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Maybe someday the truth will come out. Either way, this was a good story, and I appreciate the writer. All right, here's a really cool story from Jordan. Here's what he writes. My name is Jordan, and as much as I would love to say that I've had a Bigfoot encounter, I have not. I've heard some strange things in the woods before, but nothing that couldn't be explained away easily. But I do have experience that I can't, nor can the people that witnessed it, explain it away. 
I'm 38 years old and born and raised in South Louisiana. My experience happened in the summer of 2004 while I was in basic combat training. Most civilians know it as boot camp at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. We were doing our FTX field training exercises and did a night mission. Afterwards, myself and four other privates were just chatting about nothing. We were talking about what we did that day and what we did at home before the Army, you know, things like that. It was a very clear night with a lot of stars, and we started talking about how bright the stars were and how some of us had never seen so many because we were from the city. As the conversation kept going, one of us pointed to a star that was moving. And as we bounced theories back and forth, we even joked about Superman, saying, it's a bird, it's a plane, no, it's a... Well, you kind of get the story. This was back when the Iraq War had only been going for a few years and drones were still kind of new, as far as we knew. And we mentioned it could be a drone, maybe even a satellite. And while we were watching this thing move slowly, we noticed that it was small and it wasn't bright. The stars seemed brighter when compared to it, and it didn't change colors, nothing. It was just moving slowly across the sky. Now, this event wasn't long. We had been talking for a while when we noticed this thing. It only lasted maybe two or three minutes. We noticed that it was about to pass by another star, and as soon as it got close to it, both of the stars, the ones we were tracking, and the one about to pass, did a zigzag pattern move, and they shot off into the sky. And I mean they shot off fast. Now, I'm not a genius, and I don't think anything about flight patterns, but I know enough to know nothing on Earth can move that fast at those angles with that trajectory like that. We all just slowly lowered our heads back to eye level, and we looked at each other, and we went quiet for ten seconds. I finally spoke up, and I said, Y'all saw that too, right? With this shocked and befuddled look on their faces, I'm sure I had one too, they just nodded with their jaws dropped and I said, okay, I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't the only one. I'm going back to my tent now. We never spoke about that again and shortly after, everyone went to another base for AIT or was moved to another platoon or company. To this day, I still have no clue what those stars were. Definitely, they were were unidentified flying objects or UFOs, or as they are called now, unidentified aerial phenomenon or UAPs. And just because someone sees a UFO, people automatically think they saw an alien. No, I just saw something flying that I couldn't identify. But I will say this. I'll never forget that night and the faces of my battle buddies that night. We were wide-eyed, jaw-dropped, nodding like a doggy on a dashboard. Thanks, Cam. Don't work too hard. Your fans want to hear more stories. More Steve Lilly and my favorite, the D.A. Roberts stories you narrate. Take care. Uh, all right, here we go. Okay, so uh, thank you for those last words to the writer. Jordan, appreciate it. I'm glad you like the channel. But I think this is probably the most common UFO sighting. This type of sighting is probably the most common. You know, some people may not think these are spectacular, and they're probably not. But I'm telling you, 
when you're used to seeing things in the sky, even satellites, you know, uh, I've seen satellites move across the sky and I think, oh my gosh, I'm seeing a UFO, but it's not a UFO. You'll later find out it's just a satellite moving and they just move in a straight line on a steady trajectory and speed. It's just static. Everything is static about the way they're moving. But when these lights come together and they join and split off or they shoot off in the sky at some speed that you can barely even see, that's not a satellite. And that's what a lot of these people are seeing. Now, I know there are channels out there that deal with this and they go into great depth. And I'm not that knowledgeable about that stuff. I'm just telling you other people's encounters. But if I had had a sighting like this, I would probably tell everybody. I I don't know that I would care that they thought I was crazy because that's not really a crazy kind of story. It would be spectacular in my mind if I ever saw anything like that. And that's why I enjoy relating these because this, if you've ever seen something like this, then you, you know what this guy's talking about. And even though your story isn't that spectacular, you know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know, this thing didn't come down and, you know, these weird creatures didn't walk out of a spaceship. You just saw lights in the sky that were unusual, and you know that's nothing man-made. It's very good stuff to me. It's very interesting to me. Y'all might not think it's interesting, but I love it. I love it. I would love to just sit around a campfire and talk about these sightings one night and just listen to other people's encounters about this and Bigfoot and ghosts and all the other stuff we do. It's just so interesting to me. So I appreciate the writer. It's a great story. I'm glad you took the time to sit down and write it down for us because I know we all enjoyed it. Thanks, Jordan. Okay, here is a Bigfoot story. There's a woman who sent this to me, but she sat down and wrote down her boyfriend's Bigfoot or Sasquatch story. And here it is. My short but possible Bigfoot or Sasquatch story. I live in a suburban town an hour and a half north of New York City. We have a little country and suburbs mixed together in Dutchess County, New York. Up here, we're close enough to the Catskills that we sometimes hear random Bigfoot stories, but only if you Google it and look hard for them. Within the last few years, with the phone cameras being so handy and easy to spread information, I've been hearing more Sasquatch sightings and events in the area. Well, maybe only two, and she says LOL. Most recently in Rhinebeck and uh, Poughkeepsie. Poughkeepsie, the the Poughkeepsie, uh, y'all, I'm sorry I'm stumbling over my words. It's early in the morning. I'm trying to get these done pretty quick. I'm about to jump on my Ranger and drive about three miles and help a buddy do a control burn on about a 50-acre plot of pines, and I'm trying to get this done, and I'm burning up more time explaining it to you, but anyway, I'm just in a hurry. The Poughkeepsie sighting, I believe, was in the paper or on local media channels because it was so strange that someone would report this. Poughkeepsie is a city with lots of people, and it's very busy, And Rhinebeck has more woodlands, but Poughkeepsie, not so much. Mostly pavement and developments. Anyway, I live in Hopewell Junction, which is 20 minutes south of Poughkeepsie. 
One morning at 4 a.m., my dog was bothering me to go out to the bathroom. So I got up with him and went outside the apartment complex for him to do his business. I walked to the edge of the apartment complex to the wooded area in the back, which is pretty dense for this area, but it's not a forest or a vast woodland area. Just as a note, this area is within 10 miles to bigger mountains and dense wooded areas, but not here where I live. This apartment complex is located in a busy town. So after a few minutes of standing and waiting for Buddy, my dog, to do his business, I heard a loud tree knock, but I only heard it once. Now I'm going to say it was a tree knock because I have seen plenty of Bigfoot shows to know what it kind of sounds like. The reason I paid attention is because it was 4 a.m. and no one was out near me and it was dark and I thought to myself, what was that? And then shortly after, I heard a growl or a groan that lasted what seemed like 10 minutes. The hair on the back of my neck stood up when I heard this. Now, I'm a six-foot man, and I'm pistol trained, and I'm not skinnish, skiddish, but I was freaked to hear this, and I didn't know what it was. It was not a dog, and it was too loud and deep of a tone to be a coyote or a fox. Could it be a bear? Maybe, but unlikely with the vocal tone I heard. The sound was steady, and it traveled across the area. This was something I have never heard before, and it was not normal for this area. Buddy didn't bark, but we both froze and we waited for the growling to pass because I was afraid to move. After what seemed like forever, the growling stopped and we quickly went back inside. A week later, I reached out to the local Bigfoot investigation group and I asked if anyone had ever reported seeing a Bigfoot in the area and she had just mentioned the two cases that I had, but there had been sightings as south as uh, Peekskill, New York, which is about one hour north of New York City and 30 minutes south of where I live. So could it have been the real deal? I think so, but who knows? I will be keeping my eyes and ears open from now on. Have a wonderful day, and they sign off. That was a good story. Uh, It's all anecdotal, but, you know, it was important to this person. They heard and experienced something that they can't explain. It's It's like a lot of the stories I do. It's just as interesting to me as any of the big, violent, full, in your face type physical sightings of Bigfoot. Stuff you don't encounter, sounds and smells and sights and lights and all kind of things. And uh, it's worth writing down. It means something to these people. So they write it down and they never forget it. They never forget this stuff. To the woman who wrote this for her boyfriend, thank you so much for helping the boy out. I appreciate it. Uh, You did a good job writing it. Didn't have to edit a single word in this. She's a good writer. Most women are better writers than men. I'm just going to say it. They pay attention to what they're writing and they, I don't know, they're just more attentive to the way they write things. And I think that's cool. So women, get to writing. And if your husband has a Bigfoot story, write it for him. Send it to me. Or a UFO story or a ghost story or anything else. We love weird stories. Thank you. All right, I don't know if this. I'm reading this cold. I just pulled it off my inbox and copied it into my word processor. 
I only read the first couple of paragraphs. Looks like this guy has got a pretty good writing skill, so I won't have to do any editing. So I'm just going to read it. I just wanted to share a short story of an event that me and a good-sized church group encountered in 2018. We were camping in New Mexico at the Via Nueva campground. It's a nice campground which lies in a canyon with the Pecos River running through the canyon. Camping spots in the canyon were all full, so we all had to go camp on top of the canyon. It was in the middle of June and it was hot, but it was nice and clear during the nights. On the second night, we had a campfire and were stargazing. I have an interest in astronomy since I was a kid, and I was sharing my vast knowledge with the kids that were camping with us. In all, we had a campsite of about 30 people. About 12 adults and the rest were kids. As we were looking east above our heads passed a cube-like object several feet away from us. As it passed, a gasp fell over everyone and an excitement came over everyone. The whole event, I would say, lasted five seconds. But it was very clear. It was a cube-shaped object and it appeared as it was made of glass. And the only reason we saw it was because the moon reflected off the side. As it floated by, it was turning. I could see the edges basically to get an image in your head or a picture. It looked like a Rubik's Cube, but it was all black. The side looked like those buildings with black shiny glass. And the shape was very pronounced. And as it turned, the reflection went away and it was just like it disappeared. I kept an eye on it, but I couldn't see it anymore. Now, this is not my first time I've seen strange things in the sky because I've traveled daily across New Mexico at night. This, however, was most of the people that were with us first sightings, and all the kids asked me what it was. One of the other adults chimed in and said it must have been a satellite. I saw that he was serious and possibly didn't want the kids thinking different. So I agreed, but I knew better. I see satellites all the time, and I've spent time tracking them at night. I've even seen Starlink satellites, and they are a sight to see, and I know they can make people think they are seeing UFOs. I knew what this was, and the rest of the night was uneventful. Many of us stayed up to see if anything else was zoomed by. This cube was silent and just flowed through the sky effortless, effort, effort, effortlessly. I was the last one to go to sleep that night, and I never saw the cube again. Several years later, I asked the kids and the adults if they remembered that night, and they all said yes, but out of everyone, I'm the only one who remembers what the structure looked like. Everyone else remembers seeing a satellite or just something, but they can't say what. I'm always looking up into the sky because these things really interest me. Living in New Mexico, one can view many things that are strange, the paranormal and cryptids, and even many things flying that just can't be regular aircraft. New Mexico is known for all this, and it boggles my mind on why most people are not interested. But one thing I do know, even if it's not admitted, is that everyone here has a story. Well, thanks, Cam. This is my story, and I wonder if anyone else saw the same thing here in Mexico that night. 
Uh, that's the end of his email. I don't, it was in 2018. He doesn't really give a date, but, uh, yeah, New Mexico is a active area for things flying around at night. I don't know. Is that where the, what's that ranch called? Oh, I can't remember. Some guy bought it recently. Now I can't even, it's slipped my mind. Skinwalker Ranch. That's it. That's it. The Skinwalker Ranch. Is that where, is that in New Mexico? I don't know. New New Mexico has a long history of all these kind of things. And I think that big story, the big government story where UFOs crashed and supposedly the Project Blue Book and all, that's where all that started. I think all that happened in New Mexico. Anyway, I just get excited about these UFO stories. Just, I get excited about the Bigfoot stories too, so Bigfoot people don't get upset. But I like these UFO stories a lot. This was really good. So thanks to the uh, writer for sending it. He never said if I could use his name, but I know a guy, I do know his name, and I know a guy who has the same name as him that I used to work with, but I don't think it's the same person. Anyway, thanks for the story. I appreciate it. All right, I think that's going to wind this podcast up. I really appreciate you listening this far, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Thanks a lot. Love you all.